0: Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Michelle Emerson and Bridget Spackman, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. As you can probably tell from the title,
1: today's podcast episode is all about steps to take in order to conquer your productivity in, yes, just 30 days. (laughs) Bridget and I are going to do a book review of the 30-Day Productivity Plan by Damien, Zahari, Zah- oh gosh, I practiced this. I swear I practiced this. I even Googled it. Zahari, no, no. Oh, Michelle. Z-
0: okay, Zahariads. I can do this. Zahariades. Zahariates, Zahariates.
1: That sounds good. Boom, we did it. Oh <laughs> Anyone who is listening is like, I'm done with this episode. <laughs> um, But we do have a fantastic freebie to share with you in this episode, and it's going to be jam-packed
0: with great content, so don't give up on us yet. <laughs> Yeah, no. But first, before we jump into the goodness of this book, because I really did enjoy it, we're going to listen to a TSH from a top teacher. <laughs> Constantly browsing on Clubhouse and Instagram. I picked this one because
1: I saw yes, it you and did. I was like, there's no way Bridget knows about Clubhouse. So Bridget, how-
0: do you- Wait a second. So you picked the TSH just to pick on me? <laughs> No, no,
1: no. More so because I was curious if you knew about Clubhouse She's or like, had used I wanna the I want to
0: enlighten you. <laughs> I really don't. So I, I'm going to take that as a you don't know what it I, is. I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't. You're right. I don't. You know me so well. I don't. <laughs> so I only know about it because
1: there's another teacher that I follow that's a powerlifter, and she had shared it with me probably about a year ago. And so I downloaded it and it's one of those apps, or at least it was a year ago, maybe it's changed, where you have to like be invited by someone else to join. And so it feels super like bougie and exclusive, but it's almost like live podcasts, okay? So people, like experts in their fields will get on and they'll talk about subjects and you can basically just like listen to the audio, but it's happening in real time. So think about it as like an Instagram live, but no video, it's more like a podcast. So it's an interesting concept. I never got into it, though. I like I couldn't. What? Um, just do you want to
0: know what I thought? Are you thinking, I like that? Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? Yes. In my head, I'm like, why are these adults looking at Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? Yeah,
1: that's uh, that's what it is. So uh, I am anyway, so sorry, I am so sorry. No. That that went exactly how I expected it to. Um, (laughs) Social media in general, I think, can be a huge time suck for, you know, a lot of us. I think it's important to step back and figure out why am I doing this? Like, why am I wasting all of my time on Instagram or Clubhouse? Most likely, you're either procrastinating doing something else You're using it to take a mental break or to get your mind off of something that maybe you're like anxious about or you have different feelings about. And I think once we understand why, we can find better coping strategies that are going to solve the root of the problem instead of just putting like a Band-Aid on it.
0: No, that makes total sense to me. And while I cannot relate to the whole clubhouse situation, I can relate, however, Top Teacher, to the Instagram situation. Um, And I love how in this book that we're going to be sharing with you, a lot of it does, it does kind of hint on social media and your phones and the news and how it can really reduce your productivity. And I personally suggest deleting the app. And here's why. Because back when we read the book Atomic Habits at the beginning of the year, um, he talked a lot about developing friction in order to mm-hmm. kind of stop the the desire to want to do a specific habit that you have. And so for me, I find that if I delete it, I have to go onto my my like, web browser. So I have to use Safari to get onto it. And that it's just not as it's not as friendly of an experience Mm -hmm. for the user. Like there's, there's a little bit more friction to everything. Like the reels don't automatically play. So you have to hit the play button. Mm -hmm. Like it's just not friendly, but I personally like doing that because I don't find myself wanting to stay on it for very long. So I go, I do, I look at what I want to look at and then I get off. Yeah. I think that's a really good
1: idea. And it's a great way to kind of wean you off of it because no one's saying you have to like cut yourself off completely. You might need to. I mean, some people out there maybe need to, but you can just make it harder for you. So when you go on, you're going to go on for a purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Well, speaking of today's episode, we are going to be doing another book review. We always feel like these are perfect for summer because we actually have time to read. It's glorious. So true. (laughs) So today's episode is going to be a book review of The 30-Day Productivity Plan by Damon Zahariates. I did much better that time. You did such a great job. (laughs) We will link the book for you in the show notes, but you also can find it on Amazon just under the 30-day productivity plan. And he actually has a lot of other productivity books as well. So you can look into those. They'll be suggested for you on Amazon. But I did mention a freebie. So we actually created this freebie, I don't know, a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. It's called 30 Days to Working Only Contract Hours. The reason we really like this is because it's a similar format actually to the book that we're reviewing today but it's very 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 applicable for teachers so as bridget and i start talking about some of these things if you're like yeah like i really want to start implementing this honestly and i know i'm biased I would start with our freebie even before the book, because I think it's going to get you a faster head start than the book itself, since that's not specific for teachers. So if you want to grab this freebie, you can either head over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com. It is linked on the homepage, or you can go directly to bit.ly, which is B-I-T period L-Y slash 30 Days to Contract Hours, and it's the number 30. So 30... Da- da- <laughs> I like started to spell it and then started to say it at the same time. So 30-D-A-Y-S-T-O-C-O-N-T-R-A-C-T-H-O-U-R-S. Thank goodness that was written out in front of me. And this is a true 30-day step-by-step guide with actionable steps, which... Bridget, I let's just hear your thoughts on this book before we jump in.
0: Yeah, I okay, so first of all, I I totally agree with you. I think our 30 steps to working only contract hours are going to give you kind of that quick, fast like results. I think the book that we're going to be talking about is more so a lot about like the habit building, which I found very interesting because I would make connections to the book Atomic Habits as I was yes. reading through this. Okay, so My initial thoughts. Now, Michelle has read that. This is the second time she's read this book because she recommended this book to me, right? And I don't think people know that. Yes. But I will be honest, I don't think I finished it the first time. Okay. Okay. So, this was a book that was recommended. I found it to be a very easy read. I really did enjoy the book. I really like how Damon shares a focus each day and then talks about like why this is affecting your productivity and then just gives you very practical practical like actionable steps that you can take to help you improve on in this area. Um I can see how like they build on one another. They spiral in order to kind of help with that productivity because there's going to be moments where it's like, "Oh, I remember reading that in like a different day." Um and then I can I can honestly see myself rereading this book. Here's the thing that I kind of find a little challenging. Some of these things that he talks about I don't see how it's possible to curve that habit in a day. Like Exactly. Like, do you know what I mean? So it goes from day to day to day to day to day. And it's like, but wait, I still haven't mastered the last day. And I think that's the challenge that a lot of people are going to find with this book. Yes, I agree wholeheartedly with everything you
1: said. It is a very easy read. I did see a lot of connections with Atomic Habits. I love the concept of the book, this whole like Mm -hmm. I'm going to break it down into 30 days. My issue is there were a few where you're like, yep, that's a perfect like one day step to start taking. Yes. A lot of the other ones, it's like, no, 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 no. Like you need to break it down more. And I'll be honest, I feel like a lot of the quote unquote actionable steps weren't actually actionable.
0: Right. Yeah. There are some, especially when you get kind of towards the very end of the 30 days. Yes. Yes. I agree with you completely. Yes. And we're, we're going to hint on that. Um, and so the way that we're going to organize this is we're going to talk about each day. We're not going to give you so much information on each day so that it's, if you want that, go read the book. I promise it's an easy yeah. read. Michelle and I both read it in a day. Like, yeah, my kids were like, "Mom, you finished that book? Really?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm so proud of myself." Yeah, <laughs> um, but it is very easy. So we're going to talk about each day, kind of give our own little thoughts and opinions onto it, and then if you want to learn more, we highly recommend that you use that link to go and get it. But Michelle's going to start with the foreword because I did not read the foreword,
1: <laughs> <laughs> so. Basically, it's just an overview of like what to expect in the book. So he hits on how most productivity books aren't written in a way that's actionable. And I do agree with that. And that's why we focus on actionable steps in our podcast so much, because we do think that is something that is lacking. And then he went on to talk about how the chapters will be organized in three sections. And Bridget, you hit on this. He's going to describe the problem. He's going to talk about how that problem impacts your productivity, and then he's going to give action steps to overcome the problem. And this is where I have issues because he started to get so repetitive with like how it affects your productivity, yes. and it's like okay, but can we dig a little deeper? I don't know. I feel like a lot of the descriptions were surface level.
0: I feel like in every single one, I'm like, oh, stress. All right, stress. Oh, yep. okay, stress, depression. Yeah, stress, <laughs> depression. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. If you, so right. de- if you are not, if you are not productive. You are very stressed and very depressed. (laughs) Oh, no, you're so right. I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh about that, but that's just how it comes off when you're reading it.
1: (laughs) Yes, it does. It does. He then talks about how you're meant to read one chapter a day and immediately implement the steps. And I do agree that's probably the best route of action. Uh, But once again, it just doesn't quite work like that. And I also think that's not necessarily realistic for most people and their lives, but regardless, he does recommend reviewing the book every 60 days to see how you're maintaining the habit. I'm happy he included that in there because you would absolutely 100% need to do that. (laughs) But before we jump into the chapters, here is a note that I had of something I really disliked. All of the chapter titles start with stop, like stop doing this. I didn't even stop doing that. that. Oh, I just feel like it leaves the reader feeling defeated before they even start reading because they already feel like they're doing something wrong. And that just rubbed me the wrong way.
0: What a good point to make. Yeah. I I did not even notice that at all. Yeah. Um. Okay. So we're going to go ahead and jump into day one. So day one and and now they're gonna I'm gonna get I'm gonna think about the stop every single time yep. we read these. Okay, so day one <laughs> is to stop checking your email more than twice a day. Now I know that we've talked about this on a podcast and we've talked about it repeatedly about the issues of checking email. And so he kind of goes into um discussing like some different Ways like the things that kind of harms it, which is like it interrupts your workflow, you're having to kind of lose your focus, and then you're regaining focus, which we know a lot about that already. What Mm -hmm. I really liked is that he started kind of going into like, here are the things that you can do to kind of stop some of these issues. So for me, I don't know about you, Michelle, but the moment I see that little number. I have yep. to get it to a zero. That is the thing that makes me want to check my emails. It is nothing else but that little number. And I, for the love of me, cannot figure out how to get rid of that little red circle with the number other than to delete all my all my emails off of, of my computer. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, see I think I had years of having my Yahoo email on Where my phone. It was like a thousand
0: something something something.
1: Oh, oh girlfriend. That's being generous. It was in the ten thousands, now in the hundred thousands. Um so I think it it accustomed my brain
0: to just seeing numbers and being like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh. Um, yeah, I, I I definitely think that that's kind of my big trigger because he does talk about like identify the triggers that prompt you to be compulsive to check it. And that is my trigger. Um, I wrote down like huge for me <laughs> just because mm-hmm. that is the one thing. The other thing that I kind of find a little challenging, and I I don't know if it's just maybe my personality type and this is maybe where I'm trying to create an excuse for myself. But like as a teacher, communication through email is such a huge thing. Like for Mm -hmm. me, I can't not check it more than twice a day when I'm at school. Now when I'm at home, it's a different situation. So I feel like, you know, where's the balance, especially Mm -hmm. when communication through emails as a teacher is so prominent. Do you know what I mean? Between getting emails from parents saying, hey, this kid is going to be riding the bus, this kid's going to be a car rider. Like, are there certain times that I need to be like, okay, this is, these are going to be the times during the day that I check it. See, I think
1: from what I remember of what we've kind of preached to people before is you can look at your emails all day long. That's fine. If you're walking in the hallway and you want to open up and read an email, fine, but only answer emails no more than twice a day. Right. Which I right. feel like is a
0: good compromise for That us. is a great compromise.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's really all I had on that. I didn't have a ton. Okay. I just wanted to add that ironically, my workflow was interrupted while I was reading this chapter. I was sitting on the couch and I recently deleted my Instagram app and reinstalled it because I'm in Texas. I lost all of my filters. This was like a big thing. If you're not in Texas, I think it was also Ohio. You may not know about this. All like the Instagram filters for like Instagram stories, Uh they were completely erased from all of the accounts and we couldn't re-download them. Like it wouldn't let us re-access them. So I tried to delete the app, redownload it. Still didn't work. I have them back now. It's fine. But when I redownloaded it, it started sending me notifications. Y'all, I've had Instagram notifications turned off for years. I've just had to because I would get nothing else done. But they started happening again. And at first I was like, well, it's fine. Like, it'll let me know when I have a message. Like, it's cool. No, I sat there and like saw a message pop up and then ended up on Instagram. And I was like, Michelle, this is literally what the chapter is about. He mentioned something called a time vacuum. And I really liked that Mm. kind of terminology. And basically it's those things where you're like, oh, this will just take a few minutes, but then it ends up taking like over an hour. I just really liked calling that a time vacuum. And then he mentions developing those like alternative behaviors to replace the compulsion. And here's a direct quote from him. Commit to breaking that habit by working immediately on the task at hand. This is what I'm talking about. What did I just hit on my computer? Colors just came up. Oh my goodness. Okay. We're fine. Everything's fine. Um, But anyway, that is one of those things where you're like, well, duh, that's what I need to do. But that's so much easier said than done. Like, yeah, just commit to finishing the task at hand. Like that's not an actionable step.
0: You know what I mean? Right. Right. And for me, I feel like. It's kind of that where you have to tell yourself I'm checking email. Stop checking the email, Bridget. Move on. Go back to what yeah. you were working on. It's almost like that like subconscious like I'm having to talk to myself mm-hmm. to get myself to go back to what I was originally doing so that I'm not yeah. getting off track. Yeah, like calling out the behavior. Yeah,
1: exactly. And we promise uh, the later chapters are not going to take as long. Th- right. These, these first couple are longer, but then it, it gets shorter. Um, it does So get day shorter. two is to stop trying to be perfect. Did you feel like this was talking to you? <laughs> well, here's my first note. Ready? Okay. Love that this is a single day. I've been working on this for almost 29 years. <laughs> But also, I miswrote my age, and I wrote 28 years because I thought I was turning 28. And then I realized, I was like, I'm already 28. I'm turning 29 (laughs) this year. And then I became a little depressed. Um, But he literally put, for how this affects your productivity, prevents you from getting things done. Yes. Well, no, duh.
0: Like (laughs) The second one is elevates your stress and it you'll experience anxiety. And I'm like, uh, yes. yeah.
1: <laughs> Duh. Um, so he mentions shifting from perfecting work to finishing it. And this reminded me of the quote, this is something I've been telling myself for the past couple years and it's really helped me. Done is better than perfect. Yeah. And I literally just have to like repeat that in my head. So that is a little actionable strategy that does work for me. Um, and he also mentions identifying the worst possible outcome. So it's like, okay, if this isn't perfect, what's the worst thing that happens? And that is something that I have been doing that does help me. So yeah, that's all I had for that one.
0: I definitely didn't feel like I resonated with this because I am not a perfect person. <laughs> I think teaching kindergarten taught me to not to be a perfectionist because I remember yeah. telling myself, I think it was my second year where I felt like I had to cut out every little thing, super perfect. And everything had to be beautiful. That second year, I was like, listen, they're going to scribble on it. They're going to probably eat it. I'm just, we're going to move right on. Everything is going to yeah. be good. It doesn't have to be perfect. So I, I am pretty blessed in that sense, but now I've kind of gone a little bit overboard with the doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, it's just slapped together. We're good to go. Um, but one of the things that really resonated with me, and it says, uh, here's the worst part, is that it's celebrated in our society. Mm, yes, that kids yes. are encouraged to work hours um, in order to achieve really high test scores. Um, employees are pressured to turn in reports with zero errors. Perfectionism is praised as an asset, um, and that's. That's not good. I mean, and that's one of the reasons why I don't necessarily like um, your typical grade books. I prefer Mm -hmm. standards-based grading because I think standards-based grading really focuses on um, where their strengths are and how we can kind of build on those. It's not like I'm going to give you a 100. I'm going to give you like you're going to have an A at the end of the day. Do you know what I mean? So you yeah. can really look at all of the various qualities of students. Kids who don't turn things in on time because they're organized doesn't mean that they're not smart and they don't understand something. They can be smart and understand something, but not be organized and not turn things in on time. So you're yes, looking that's at a good all of that. Do you know what I mean? Versus just a holistic view of putting a grade on a child.
1: Yes, I agree. I think that's a good point about the whole like them turning in things later, being right. organized and losing it and all that. I know from my perspective, I grew up, I mean, my parents always had high expectations, right. but per- perfectionism wasn't expected I put that on myself right and I remember like like high school I hadn't missed any days of school and it wasn't until like my senior year I had like pneumonia and bronchitis and I was still trying to go to school oh, And my, my parents like no like
0: you can't go to school but that was me putting that on yeah. myself you and know and what I've I mean had students like that I mean I definitely yes. I mean I had a fourth grader coming to me saying that I I want to go to um Oh my gosh! What are some of the Ivy League schools? I can't think of the number. Harvard, name. Cornell. Um, I want to say Princeton. Stan- Princeton, Stanford. Stanford. Princeton okay. is what it was. She was like, I want to go to Princeton, and she put this pressure on herself, this immense pressure on herself. Um, and now she's kind of isolated from the world, like is what we've kind of found out, which is really sad.
1: Yeah. Well, um, thankfully, I don't think that happened to me. Which is good. Because now I'm like, wow, I could have gone down a path. But um but yeah, I think it is like a personality thing for some kids. And so for me, standards based grading, I still would have seen like, Oh, but I'm not at the highest on this thing and like I it still would have stressed me out. But I do think the whole like organization piece is important.
0: Okay. So day three is to stop creating overly ambitious to-do list. I wrote really big on this. This is so me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And really it's about um, not creating a huge to-do list and looking at all the things that you have on your list. And this goes back to how Michelle and I talk about creating a power list and really breaking down some of those tasks so that they're more actionable and tangible so that you are not feeling overwhelmed with it. Is that all you had for that one? Well, I see that we're at like 23 minutes. These poor people have been listening to us. So we're speeding up. (laughs) Okay,
1: so real quick, um, I like that he pointed out you're either overestimating the time that you have to get things done. So you're like, oh, like I'll have three hours to work today, but you really only have an hour. Exactly. Or you're underestimating the time it takes to complete the task. So you're like, oh, I can get this done in 15 minutes, but it really takes an hour. Or it could be a combination of... Both, um, and he also identify. He also talked about that you identify a compelling reason to work on every item of your list, but. <laughs> I just reading that, I was like, but that's not how teaching works. Right. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. there are things that you have to do that you don't love. Because he talks about like, we'll only add things to your list that you really are excited for. No. And that
0: really, it's like, that's not You have how to read that works. 504 <laughs> and reevaluate that IEP and do all the, all the yep. other things that you have to do. I also did kind of put a star on something that said, he talked about high priority items as an A. I really liked this idea of breaking them down into an A, B, and C task. Yeah. Which kind of helped you identify like the goal, the focus, the priority of things.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about eating the frog, which is mm-hmm. like getting your most important task done first, which is a way of like prioritizing. Uh he called it working on the biggest rock. So yes. same difference. Same difference. Um and then he mentioned using multiple lists, which is what we preach, but then he also mentioned setting a time limit and this is something that we have mm-hmm. talked about as well. So he referred to it as Parkinson's law, which I've never heard this like terminology, but work expands so as to fill the time available for its yes, completion. I have that. Underlined. And I thought it was interesting because I've, I, while I was reading this, I was balancing like reading the book and then working on a keynote. And I very much found that I was like, I'm going to finish this book in two hours. And like I did, because I, that's all I allowed myself for yes. it. And I got it done. Nice. Okay. Okay. Day four is to stop giving yourself too much time to complete tasks. So this one kind of goes with the one we just talked about. Yes. Um, He talks about spending more time on things that aren't a priority as a way of procrastinating. Duh. We all do it. And because we get less done, we then work longer, which leads to increased stress. And I'm like, this bingo. This is exactly what teachers struggle with. They procrastinate. They work on the wrong things that aren't moving the needle forward. So then they work too much and they get stressed out and they get burnt out. So Mm -hmm. he mentions using timers. We've talked about that. The Pomodoro technique. We've talked about that. And one thing he mentioned about the Pomodoro technique that I had never really thought about is that it's a way to evaluate progress. So if you've decided a task is going to take you 60 minutes and after two Pomodoros, which a Pomodoro, you work for 25 minutes, Mm -hmm. take a five minute break, 25 minutes, five minute break. If you're only halfway done after two of them, then you need to speed up because you've been working for 50 minutes and you're only halfway through the task. Right. So I did like that kind of concept.
0: No, I did too. I I really liked, and I kind of put a ha ha. (laughs) I love how I edit my, my books here, but it says, recall the last time your boss, Gave you a week to complete a report. You probably finished the report on the day that it was due. And I'm like, yep, 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 Yep. that was me. And I feel like that happens to teachers as well because we're like, well, I have so many other things that are on my list. I have other things that I need to get to. I'll do this another time. And then we end up waiting until the very last minute, which then causes us (gasps) stress. Stress. (laughs) It's like the key thing here. I also um, like that one of his action steps he mentioned committing to ending your workday at five o'clock and that this is going um, to kind of help set those time limits. And that I think is such a big thing is that just leave it there for all the teachers who say, well, I'm going to take it home just in case. You're not going to do it. Just just leave it at school. You will get it done at some point or another, but do not take it home because you need to give your ta- yourself that time to rest. Do you know what I mean? Yes, and we have
1: a podcast episode on that because we know it is difficult to set those boundaries. So if y'all wanna go back and listen to episode 70, it's titled How to Set Boundaries and Stick to Them.
0: Yeah, so let's go into day five, which is to stop kicking yourself over past mistakes and failures. Um, I really liked this one, and I think I needed this reminder. There was a quote in there that they have from Harvey McKay, I think is that how you pronounce it? I'm assuming, and he's a best-selling author, author of Swimming the with the Sharks Being Eaten Alive, and it says worrying about the past or the future isn't productive. When you start chast- chastising yourself for past mistakes, you see disaster around every corner. Stop and take a breath and ask yourself what you can do right now to succeed. And I feel like I need that reminder. Um, he also kind of goes into mentioning about how like your relationships like your personal peace all of it is like this this fear of failure is like a liability for you and to me that always kind of reminds me of my my old superintendent who used to say like we need to fail forward we need to look mm-hmm. at these opportunities as a i need to learn from them what can i learn from them in order to kind of continue to make ourselves better versus kind of sitting and dwelling in the oh i'm such a terrible person i'm not good i don't know how to do this type of situation So um, that was like one of his like action steps is really embracing failures, which again, is not something you can do in a day. It's something that is going to take you so much time to kind of build into yourself. Um, I like that he talks about an accountability partner because I feel like that's something that we always talk a lot about. Um, And I like that he said, avoid television. I listen, there is a part in here where I'm like, yes, let's get rid of our TV. (laughs) I could never. Well, and that's the thing is
1: I use TV as like a coping mechanism. It's my way to like de-stress. Right, and, you right, know.
0: right. And he t- I think he talks about that at some point too.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. So I had another quote from that chapter, which okay. is ironic because when, when you started reading, I was like, is it the same quote? It's not, but okay. it's similar.
0: Which one did you do? <laughs> so...
1: My quote was, it is difficult to be productive when you feel like you have no control over your life. Mm -hmm. And again, I feel like this is a trap that teachers fall into. There is so much out of our control in the realm of education, but we spend too much time focusing on that and not enough time focusing on what we can control. Yeah. He mentioned that failure is just feedback for something that you're doing. And I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. So if you make a mistake, if you're failing, quote unquote, at something, because I think true failure doesn't happen like that. But regardless, it's feedback. So you're like, okay, what do I need to change? What do I need to do differently so this doesn't happen again? And then he mentioned you have to make adjustments to either your workflow or your timeline. So your workflow being like your efficiency, what are you getting done and how much time? And then your timeline, again, it's that whole like adjusting for how long it actually takes you. Yeah. Day six. This one is is a good one. Yes, it Stop is. Stop saying yes to everyone. <laughs> but once again, how the heck do you do that in a single day? Um, but... He did mention that by saying yes to everyone, you gain a reputation for being helpful. And he made an analogy that it's like putting a bowl of milk on your porch for stray cats. Did you love that analogy? I thought I loved that analogy. (laughs) I also follow this Olympic weightlifting girl on Instagram, and she has this big like garage gym. And she almost is on like not quite a farm, but like she has a lot of land. And she has all of these stray cats that like come to her and she like pets them and takes care of them. And I'm like, well, no wonder they keep coming. So I, I just found that very ironic. Um, and one suggestion that he gave that I do think is very helpful is to offer to help later because a lot of people will come to you with a quote unquote emergency because it's important to them, but it's not truly an emergency. And so if you kind of kick the can down the road and it's like, Hey, I can't help you right now, but maybe next week I can give you some time. Chances are they're not even going to remember to come back to you.
0: Yes. And I really like how he, when he goes into the action steps, because there was a one point where he was like, say no to people. And I'm like, but how do you like always say no to people? Like you're going to become like the person that nobody wants to talk to because you're going to be that no person and everybody's going to hate you. (laughs) So I like that when he was talking about like actionable steps, he really does kind of, give you a way to balance it so that you can be helpful to people, but then at the same time, recognize that you also have needs and you have things that you're working on as well. Um, So there was one part that I really loved and I have like a little heart next to it. It just says like, for example, you might decide to like shun making phone calls before 10 a.m. because you know that a lot of phone calls are gonna be potential like time stinks. That I really liked. I also liked that he said, um, he kind of puts it down. Uh, He goes, for example, consider the times that you've heard somebody ask you, got a quick second for like a quick question. Do you have a, like a second mm-hmm. for it? And I'm like, yeah, that always ends up like taking forever. Yeah. So I thought it was a really good chapter because he just kind of helps you balance it a little bit more. Yeah. Day seven um, is to stop working Over time. I found the introduction to this one very, very interesting. And mainly because I was really fascinated with Henry Ford when it came to his um, design of the assembly line. So I've always been interested in that. And so when he was talking about Henry Ford, he was kind of the one who came up with the 40 hour work week for people. Yeah. Yeah, I which didn't know I that. didn't realize that. So I found that very interesting. He also talks a little bit about how the long hours will just basically slowly eat away at your efficiency, energy levels, and your focus, which is huge. And I think as teachers, we always say, well, I have to do this during at home. I have to do this at home. Well, if you're constantly eating into your home life, it's slowly going to eat at you and you're going to feel burnt out by the end of it.
1: Yep. Yeah, I agree. He mentions how reducing the number of hours worked per day and the number of days worked per week Mm -hmm. actually increased output. And that's something I have to like remind myself, like more is not always better. Um, And he mentioned like trying to log five productive hours per day. I thought that was a very easy, like actionable step. And then going back to like the cutoff times, we do have a podcast episode. I'm just going to plug away here. You plug. All about working contract hours. So it's episode 57, how to only work contract hours as a teacher. So if this is something you're struggling with, you might find that helpful. Day eight is to stop being a control freak, (laughs) which I thought of my mom in this case. Really? (laughs) My mom is a huge control freak. And I'm willing to say that because she is very open about it. Okay. And that's why we did not get along much when I was a teenager because I was trying to discover my independence. And she was not having it. Yeah. So <laughs> being a control freak is going to make you less focused on the long-term goals. And so he mentions like separating the big picture tasks from the operational, like day-to-day tasks. And it made me think about the office when Jim and Michael become co-managers and Michael's doing yes. like the big picture stuff and Jim's doing the day-to-day. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, so you're doing half the work. Um, And he keeps mentioning tools. Okay. So he mentions all these different like websites and apps. And in the book, like, I do think it's helpful for some people, but if you're using a different app for every little thing, like, that gets super confusing. Mm -hmm. And that's why we love Google so much because they all integrate together and like it has all the tools you need. I agree. That's all I had for that Mm -hmm. one.
0: Yeah. The only other thing that I kind of put down is just the fact that I think for me, it really kind of helped me. I realized that I've started to kind of let certain things go, especially within my business and hiring people to kind of take the lead on certain things versus wanting to control everything. And I think as teachers, we have a tendency to want to control every aspect of our classroom. Or maybe we want to be the ones in control of planning all of our lessons because we don't feel as though, you know, Teacher B is going to do as great of a job as you could end up doing. And I think we have to start learning how to let some of these things go because then it goes back to that perfectionism piece, which I do believe a lot of teachers have because a lot does it perfectionism and type a kind of a a, 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 they go together in a sense yes (laughs) yeah yes so that's really all I had for that one um day nine this is interesting Mm -hmm stop eating unhealthy foods. Guys, he took a turn. He took a turn. Okay. He went into foods. (laughs) Um, I've got some notes on this one. I thought that this was so interesting. He really talks about how, I mean, he goes into a lot of like some of this like research stuff where he talks about like 66. um, He says the authors found that working following an unhealthy diet were 66 percent More likely to experience a significant decline in productivity compared to their healthy eating peers. So he talks a lot about sugar and how at times when we feel like we're in kind of that midday slump, like we like to fill ourselves with carbs and sugar, and then those things are then going to give us like 30 minutes of like high productivity, but then we're going to drop for 30 minutes again. Um, and that's really like what he goes into. So some of the action steps is he like tries to help you like plan your meals, make a list of foods, of snacks that you can avoid, um, and create like a healthy list. I do like. That when he says, create like a healthy list of meals for you to eat, he says, limit the list to five options What that, which I think is really beneficial, especially for somebody who like me, who is not a healthy eater at all. Um, because I don't focus on proteins. I don't focus on vegetables. I will literally eat chocolate all day long if I could. Yeah. Chocolate and pizza. <laughs> it's really I mean, bad. I would too. Just for the record, I would too. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. But that's really all I had on that. Okay. Mm, Here are my thoughts. Here, Here,
1: okay. I'm sorry. This this is just I'm a touchy subject down. for me. So, first of all, I I'm so tired of people using the terms healthy and unhealthy because. Foods are not inherently good or bad. They can have more nutrients. So I prefer to use the term nutrient dense. Okay. Okay. But just because a food has less nutrients doesn't mean it's healthy because if I have a little piece of chocolate and that makes me super happy and my body's releasing serotonin, that might be exactly what I need. Anyway, he mentions having a list of healthy snacks Again, the term healthy is all relative because if someone is about to go to the gym, they might need different food than mm-hmm. someone who's about to take a nap. You know what I mean? What I think is a better strategy is to track how these foods that you're eating, you know, fairly frequently, if you have your list of five, track how they make you feel. So like, okay, I, I ate this and within the next hour, this is how I felt because then it will help you identify what foods you want to eat at some times. I love eating a lot of food before bed because it makes me sleepy and it helps me fall asleep. Like that works for me.
0: That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> he also mentions having those vices to avoid. And I personally just don't support that because I believe everything in moderation. And I think the more you restrict certain foods, if you're like, oh, chocolate is a big vice of mine. I'm I'm going to cut myself off from chocolate. It's going to get to the point where all you think about is chocolate. And then you're going to end up binging on it. So I believe everything in moderation uh, he did mention like planning meals and I will say Billy and I have been planning and then grocery shopping around our planned meals for a couple years now. And it works beautifully for us to save time and save mental energy And then he did mention scheduling your eating, which I thought was interesting because then it becomes part of your routine and like you don't even have to think about it. And as teachers, it's so easy to be like, oh, I'm too busy. Like I, you know, I'm going to skip lunch today or I'm going to skip my snack. And I think having it scheduled in and making sure you stick to that can make a big difference. Yes, Bridget.
0: I find that and I see it in my kids more than anything and also in myself sometimes, but I find like. When my kids don't have something to do, like they're not engaged in something a lot, they will just want to eat because they're bored yes, and they're saying they're starving. And I'm like, you're not starving. I literally just fed you. yep. And it's because they're like, I'm bored. I need to do something. Mm -hmm. So what do they Mm want to do? They automatically want to put food in their mouth, which, so I do like the whole having times. And now summer just started for us, like for the record. So we are not even in our first full week of summer together, like as a family, but having kind of those set times of, here's what you're going to be eating. Here are the things that you can end up choosing from, I think is going to be helpful for like me and my family. Do you know what I mean? Just cause yep, yep. Lord knows my children will just eat my household away. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> okay. Moving on to day 10. Stop <laughs> procrastinating.
0: I put LOL. So me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so at one point he talks about like the limbic system and shiny baubles is how he refers yeah. to it. But that's the whole shiny object syndrome yes. that we know that Bridget suffers from. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And how it increases stress because the deadline didn't change, but now you have less time to get it done. And a lot of the action steps were repeated of other things he's already said, like shorten your to-do list. He did mention breaking down projects. Obviously, that's something that we are like huge proponents of. Um, But other than that, I was just like, "Mm, Bridget, Bridget.
0: Bridget." Yeah, this was so me. I was... (laughs) I love how I put lol so me <laughs> um I think you know <clears throat> I think for me like procrastinating he does go into some of the reasons which I really did yes. enjoy like hearing some of the reasons why people procrastinate one of them he, he says is a feel feel a failure fear of failure mm-hmm. wow that was really hard for me <clears throat> he says that others stall because they're because they're perfectionist perfectionists He Mm -hmm. says others do it because they have poor time management skills. Um, And I just thought that that was really fascinating because we often go back to, but why is it that you're doing this, going back to finding like the root cause of the situation that's occurring? And I, I do like in some of these situations, he does go a little bit deeper and kind of starts to pinpoint some of these triggers for what's causing you to do this one thing. Yep. Yeah. I I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I thought that was good. Okay. Day 11. (laughs) Stop postponing taking action on hard tasks.
1: Is it hard
0: tasks or large tasks? On hard tasks. Oh,
1: that's weird. I wrote in my note, large tasks.
0: On hard tasks. Um, So this one, I'm trying to remember myself and see like, what is this one all about? Um, I think more so of not wanting kind of to eat the what is it eat the frog first Eat the frog right Mm -hmm. so a lot of us will say well I'm going to do some of the smaller tasks before I do Mm -hmm. the hard thing Um, so they always leave the hard thing to last and sometimes when you leave that hard thing to very to the very end then you don't end up having enough kind of energy to be able to focus on it and so then it doesn't end up getting completed and then it's like a spiraling situation where it goes on to the next day now he did have a section in here which I thought was interesting he says there are two schools of thought for concerning how to solve this issue. Some folks advocate tackling the hardest tasks on your to-do list first before you address simpler ones. Um, Others folks advise the opposite, work on a few tasks to get your momentum and then focus on the hard ones. Both approaches have merit, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with just because I feel like you have... If it does have merit, you have to really focus in on what works best for you, right? Because I know there was a time period where I feel like Michelle would, and I don't know if you're like this anymore, would work really late hours. Like she got going. She was like Energizer Bunny super late at night. And this is when the time when she was at her best. For me, my best is in the morning. Right around like two, three o'clock, I'm starting to go down. I need to do things that are not as like so heavy on my brain because it just I'm not going to do a great job
1: mm-hmm. so I'm I'm finding that more and more for myself that mid-afternoon slump that I didn't use to experience but I do still get these like bursts of energy at night so nice. yes I think it's all about knowing yourself yeah definitely The only other note I had on that one was he mentions like one of his action steps was literally start, but it made me think of how we mentioned with like Nike, be like Nike and just do it. And sometimes you do just have to take that next step. Yes. Day 12, uh, because we're going to speed it up a little bit. (sighs) Day 12 is to stop checking social media throughout the day. He talks about how you feel like you're missing out and how that can be a sign of addiction, which I thought was very interesting, which if you have not watched what's it called? The Social Dilemma on Netflix. It's all about like social media addiction and everything. It's very interesting. Um, He talks about how the average attention span is lower than it used to be. That did not surprise me whatsoever. Mm -hmm. He mentions turning off notifications and having like site and app blockers, but how those can kind of be like a bandaid and they're not really solving the root of the problem which I thought was interesting. And he mentioned like having a reason to log on. So if it's I'm going to Facebook because I want to check in on this group, I'm in a couple different Facebook groups. And that's the main reason I want to go on Facebook. So I've started going directly to that group so I don't get caught up in like my main newsfeed.
0: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. I just wrote on the very top of that chapter, is this book written just for me? <laughs> <laughs> These are some of the comments while I'm reading guys. <laughs> um, but it makes you realize you're not the only one dealing uh, yeah. with it. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Um so I I kind of that's really all I put inside of that one. Day okay. 13, um stop neglecting to take breaks. I absolutely do this. I feel like I get myself into a workflow and even when I take a break from a certain task, I feel like then I start to do another task that's still work-related and I'm not taking a break from anything. So there was a, yeah. think, a part inside of this, um, in this chapter where he says, you want to make sure that if you're working on the computer for an extended amount of time, that you're giving yourself a break from the computer. So you want to take breaks that are kind of the opposite of what you're currently working on to allow your brain to be able to rest. And I also wrote down in this chapter, do you, Michelle, do you take breaks? <laughs> I know it doesn't seem like I do. Yes. Um,
1: so I this is going to sound so lame and I don't know what just <clears throat> happened to my voice. It got very sultry there for a second. Yeah. I build my breaks into my day around my meals. Okay. Okay. That's important. So <laughs> typically, like, I drink my coffee in the morning while I'm working and then I have like a set time where I'm like, okay, I'm going to eat lunch and I eat lunch and then I have another, you know, okay, I'm going to work for two hours and I then have a snack and I I like built okay. it around that. But what I had down from this is how he mentions the 52-17 method, which means you work for 52 minutes mm-hmm. and then take a 17 minute break. And there was like research that supported that this was the optimal time. Okay, cool. I've recently started like actually setting little timers. So on my phone, the maximum like timer because it does it, I guess I could just set one for one hour, but I scrolled under the minutes and it only went to 59 minutes. So I've now been working for 59 minutes rather than an hour. I don't know why, (laughs) but I will set that timer. I will work for that full time. And then I'll take like a 15 minute break, watching like YouTube videos, emptying the dishwasher, going for a walk, whatever. And that has been working really, really well for me. Yeah.
0: I, I just noted like, that is a really uh, good point. I noticed that for me, I'm, I'm typically always trying to keep myself busy. Yeah. And so I'll be very curious that while I'm at home this summer, I'm going to try to be more intentional with setting breaks of things like picking up the house or making, like mm-hmm. doing, making my bed at a certain point, like yep. creating some of those breaks because my family all sleeps in y'all like everybody's asleep. I'm wide awake and I'm working in the morning because again, I am like, that's when I'm most alert and I'm ready to kind of yep. get out some of the hardest tasks first thing yep. in the morning. All right, day 14
1: is to stop <laughs> binge watching television shows. I I'll b- be honest, got my
0: husband for this one.
1: <laughs> okay, I did not resonate with this much cuz I don't really I don't either. binge shows. Um I he mentions choosing three shows and I was like I already do this. I watch the same three shows over and over and over yeah. again. Um but he mentions like using it as an incentive. And then he mentions cutting your cable. And I was like, that's not relevant anymore because now it's all streaming services. I know. I
0: thought that too. (laughs) I did. But I will say, I do feel like um, your phone, which I think we'll get to later on, but your phone and the television, they're terrible. Absolutely terrible for your productivity. They suck you in. And I don't think it, I feel like the more and more I get older, I think I'm just becoming like cranky. (laughs)
1: I, I feel yeah. like it's
0: just killing brain sale brain cells. It's terrible. Brain sale. Brain All right. Well, you you won't go on to yeah. number fifteen. All right, day fifteen. <laughs> Stop neglecting to create systems for reoccurring tasks. Mm. I think this chapter was so beneficial. It is such a good one for teachers, and they talk about anything that's done monthly, daily, weekly. You need to be creating those reoccurring systems in order to make it easier on yourself. Do not reinvent the wheel. Find ways to make this easier so that you can get through your tasks um, in a less amount of time. Yes. And I just wanted to mention,
1: I think we've touched on this in our episode all about Google tasks, but a function of Google tasks that I've been using more frequently is the like recurring tasks. Uh So, for example, every Monday I go through and respond to YouTube comments. Every Thursday I schedule my email to send on Sunday. Every Friday I clean the house. I have these all as recurring tasks that automatically show up on my power list every week on that day without me having to do anything. And like it is the best function, it just makes things so much easier.
0: That sounds great. Day
1: 16 is to stop multitasking. Mm, Or task (laughs) switching is what we like to call it. (laughs) Yes, exactly. He mentions how it's caused by impatience because we always feel like we should be doing more. And I thought that that was an interesting take on it. And it causes you to cut corners. And I wanted to be like honest with you, Bridget. I've noticed, I think probably from both of us, but like I noticed myself doing this. If we're talking on the phone, because Bridget and I talk almost every day,
0: and we're doing something else, we're like not as engaged in the conversation. You know what? When I was reading this chapter, I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to apologize to Michelle because I think I do this. I do that. <laughs> I do it, too. Sometimes, like, I do if I'm talking to you or and then I'm trying to, like, get upstairs or I'm trying to unpack and I, or I somehow, like, get mm-hmm. onto my phone because if I have it on my AirPod, I'll start to look yep. at my phone. I'm like, this, I am such a terrible freaking person.
1: No, I do the exact same thing. And when I read this chapter, I'm like, I feel called out. Um, I but... <laughs> You did mention cleaning your desk because messy workspaces promote multitasking. And I was like, you know what? That is very interesting. And we do have an entire episode. So if you're interested, episode 88, Teacher Desk Organization
0: 101. That'll get your workspace clean. Yeah, No, I really liked that part of it. Day 17 says to stop refusing to take responsibility for your choices. I Mm. really enjoyed this one because I think a lot of the times we try to, I think, we do kind of get into this thing of, you know, but everybody else is doing it to us. We're not the ones, we don't have any role in some of the things that are happening to us, right? We Mm -hmm. want to put blame on everybody else. And he talks about just kind of seeing ourselves as a victim um, of our circumstances rather than the, I can't say this word, arbiters arbiters, arbiters, arbiters of our fate. (laughs) I can't say that word. I had that exact same quote. Okay. I'm so glad you did. And I think it is so important for us to start taking responsibility just for some of the choices that we're making, because he is right. I think if we're refusing to kind of take responsibility of some of those things, it does weaken our ability to kind of work efficiently and effectively. Yep. I basically, I
1: had that quote and then I had tough love in all capital letters. It's giving yourself tough love. Absolutely. And day 18 is to stop telling yourself you're not Ready? Did you feel like this I saw
0: them? This to you? Uh,
1: maybe, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. <laughs> I had written down because this is something I can't remember where I heard this. It was years ago, but someone said like if you wait until it's perfect, then you waited too long, mm-hmm. like to get started on something. Yeah. And so I remind myself of that constantly. And once again, he mentions how like if you have undesired outcomes. It's merely feedback, and you can adjust, and you can keep going. And I just felt like that was something I needed to hear.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he also talks about like a lot of us kind of do this because we we fear the unknown, um, and that we always want to gravitate towards the familiar. And I think when mm-hmm. I, um, so Michelle doesn't know this, but I I like as I'm recording this, like it hasn't happened yet, but I've. It is kind of officially unofficial. So I am moving to the fourth grade ELA position. I've kind of already decided that. But I think Mm -hmm. there was that moment on, was it Thursday? Did we talk yesterday on Friday at all? I don't remember us talking. Um, Did we?
1: No. Well, hold on.
0: Yesterday was Saturday. Yeah, Friday is what I meant. We talked on Friday. Yes. OK, but I feel like there was that moment where I wanted to stay with the familiar because it was something mm-hmm. that was easy for me and I didn't want to move on. And so this mm-hmm. fear of the unknown of what was happened when I moved districts was really, really scary for me. And so yeah. I had to kind of in this way, it was like this chapter was saying you have to kind of tell yourself that you are ready, that you are going to be OK when you go here. So I don't know. I really enjoyed this chapter of just kind of, but it goes along with the whole like perfectionism chapter too. It's very similar. Yeah. Yep. Next one's you. Oh, the next one's me. Hi guys. I'm the next one. (laughs) Day 19. It says, stop neglecting to organize your day. I put on here that this is a big one to use daily, like to use their daily planning pages within our um, planner, which if you didn't know, we have a di- di- digital teacher planner that is available for the upcoming 2022-2023 school year, you can head to com forward slash store to check that out. But I really like our daily planning page for that reason. And he talks about staying organized is really crucial for helping you have that effective time management and allows you to be focused and more efficient. And so I liked this part of it and helping you kind of break everything down. So that way you kind of go through the motions of the day and you're hitting all the things that you hit. If you don't have your day organized, I feel like it's kind of hodgepodgey and you try to fit things in where you can. But then ultimately at the end of the day, you're not going to have all your things on your to-do list finished yeah there were two strategies from this that
1: i really liked one he mentioned creating a time block that you use solely to respond to others demands so responding to an email that you've gotten responding to a text message someone needs something you do it during Mm -hmm. that time and i really liked that And then the last one, he talked about removing chairs from meetings because people, if they're standing, the meeting will end faster because they're uncomfortable and they wanna go sit down. I did read that. And I just loved that. So if you have coworkers and you always end up having like these team meetings, yeah. You all have to stand and then you'll get it done much faster. You know what? I
0: will say that in this chapter, the only thing that I thought was really challenging for teachers is when they said, set aside 30 minutes in the afternoon to follow up with people who grabbed your attention earlier that day. But what if they're grabbing your attention about like a student? Sometimes you can't do that. You have to take care of certain situations in that moment. Because if I have a kid who's having a complete meltdown in the cafeteria, I'm the one that needs to go and address that kid because- sometimes other like the other adults in the building can't can't do anything for them.
1: I agree and that's what I hit on about having the time block to respond to others demands. I think that's more so like someone emailed you asking for you know information yeah. or a team teacher stopped by your room and asked for something or or a parent is like, hey, do you have that form like I think yeah. doing those things yes, I agree um okay last 10 I'm gonna challenge a speed round okay oh okay. Well, yeah, we're at like an hour. Sorry, guys. Lady.
0: Hey, if you're still listening to this, I am proud of you. You are so phenomenal. I just like how earlier on you were the one that was like, "Yeah, we need to speed up," and then you're like, "Also, one I'm,
1: more thought." I'm getting into the book. <laughs> Sorry, I like it, guys. Okay. Day 20, stop feeling sorry oh, for yourself. Yes. This is also where he talks about that victim mentality. The one takeaway I really liked is he mentioned having a things you can change list. So it's like your attitude, your you know thoughts, your feelings, like the
0: things that you are in control of. Yeah. And I do like the part where he says like self-pity is self-perpetuating and that it ultimately ends up becoming part of your identity. And that helped me kind of make that connection to Atomic Habits. Um so day 21 is to stop working against your body's natural rhythm. Michelle, do you want to know what I was thinking of? Not what he mentioned, what? not the w- oh, circadian you were thinking rhythm of your period. I was thinking your of your period. <laughs> I literally was. I was like and he doesn't mention it there. He says he talks about your like biological clock, which is your circadian rhythm, which is your 24 um hour cycle, but then he mentions another one which is your ultradian rhythm, which is your, um, it's like this during a single duration, like a single circadian, you can have a series of shorter cycles. So you have to Mm -hmm. identify your shorter cycles in order to be able to maximize those times. And he says, usually these last between like 90 and 120 minutes. Yeah, well, of course
1: he wouldn't mention periods because he's a guy, that's and so it true. doesn't affect wow. him, and he doesn't even think about it. Um, the only other thing from <laughs> that that I had written down, he's talked about tracking your focus levels, but like you have to limit caffeine first, which I was like, oh, I can't. That's do that. not gonna happen. That's <laughs> not gonna happen. <laughs> Sorry, guy. <laughs> All right, day twenty-two. Stop refusing to get Ugh, enough exercise. Here's what he hit on that I thought was important. Most people have excuses, and I do think that is very true. He talked about making it an appointment. So that way it's like you're not going to miss it and find pockets of dead time. Um, But something he didn't mention that I think is important is make sure it's something you enjoy. If your exercise is something you
0: dread, then you're not going to do it. So make sure it's something that you look forward to. Yeah, absolutely. Day 23 is to stop worrying about what others think of you. This is huge for me. Um, He talks a lot about how we are hardwired to care about what others think. Um, I love that he also just put in there the only exceptions are sociopaths I put an LOL next to that. Um, But he does kind of give you some guiding questions, which I really enjoyed when he gave you some of these guiding questions to really kind of reflect and think, like, is this me? Is this something that I really struggle with internally? And so he talks about just kind of not caring about what other people think. And he gives you some of those different action steps, just like realizing that you are not everybody's top priority. Like we like to Mm -hmm. think that everybody else cares about us and that they're constantly thinking about us, but that is not the reality. They're probably not not giving you any food for thought at all during the day. (laughs) And I also like that he mentioned to thicken your skin a little bit, which I uh, really like. And the way to do that is just to be able to invite criticism and have people give you feedback. So that way you're able to kind of develop this like, okay, I don't care what you think because I'm listening to it. And I'm just going to take this information and then make myself better at the end of the day. Yeah, it made me think about how a lot of people are intimidated to go to the
1: gym because they're worried everyone's going to look at them and be judging yes. them. But trust me, as a gym goer, I can tell you they are too worried about themselves and what they look like. Amen. <laughs> but something I tell myself is that if they wouldn't come to my funeral, I'm not worried about their opinion. Yes. So day 24, stop keeping up with current events. This is already something I do. Uh, Billy is very into current events. So he lets me know when I need He's to pay attention to something. in the political realm. I know. And he talks about how most of it is negative. He being the author of the book, not Billy. Yeah. Uh, and so it just kind of
0: gets you down the spiral. And I agree with that. Yeah, no. And I don't I don't feel like that hits on me at all. But I do like the fact that he kind of talks about just kind of stepping away from that. Day 25 is to stop focusing on the 80% that doesn't matter. I love this principle. It's the 80-20 rule. And it talks about like 80% of the results will stem from only 20% of your actions. But what the author really does is he kind of goes into, because a lot of people will say, well, then, oh, I just need to get rid of, you know, like 80% of the things that I'm trying to do and only focus on doing 20% of it. But that's not really what he's talking about. So he gives you an example here where he says like, you can't just ignore emails, even though those emails are probably not going to give you the biggest bang for your buck here. But instead of Avoiding them, you can just avoid not writing as much to them. Like short, sweet, simple, mm-hmm. to the point is the way to go here, and that's kind of the proper application of this eighty twenty principle. That some people just kind of don't interpret it the right right way. But I love the eighty twenty rule and highly recommend people look into this a little bit further.
1: Yes, but um, I would like to point out in this chapter he uses this as an example. He says, for example, if you're a teacher, you might spend an inordinate amount of time filing student papers in their respective cubbyholes. If you have a classroom aide,
0: ask her to file the papers for you. I was like, how out of touch. Ain't nobody got an (laughs) aide.
1: And then one of his action steps was to hire an assistant. And I was like, yes, OK. And. I thought about for teachers, it's like having an intern. But what people don't realize is having an intern creates more work it for does. you. It's
0: not going to take it off of your. Plate. No, it definitely isn't. <laughs> but I do think that there's probably ways to be able to do that quicker, right? Like instead of me filing it to them, I would have the students file their own papers, so that yes. I would give them their papers, hand them out. That takes less time. They would then go and put the papers away for me, and that's kind of the way of looking at that principle. He just didn't have a way of connecting that very well. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Day 26,
1: stop getting caught up in unnecessary yes. drama. Personally, I avoid drama and conflict, so I don't have an issue with this, but I do think it's something teachers get wrapped up in.
0: Yeah. And it is very easy to be get, ra- get wrapped up in it. And I think that he kind of touches on like why people start to want to hit on some of that drama, which it's either entertaining, it kind of helps with that boredom piece. He talks about some people suffering from the white knight syndrome. He talks it, about it being a way for you to like passive aggressively, like air your own grievances, which I thought are very accurate for people. The next one is gonna be day 27, which is stop working without concrete goals. I love this. He says that goals is going to be what gives us direction. And we often talk about that. This is your why. If you understand your why, which is going to be your main focus, your goal, then it's going to be a lot easier to for you to make decisions based on that why. So your why is to not feel less stressed. So that's going home during at the end of your contract hours. That's for working during cert, like completing certain tasks during your um, your planning periods, but always having that goal right in focus is very, very important.
1: Yep. Day 28, and we've hit on this, stop letting your phone run your life. He talked about how it's addictive. It makes you less present. Duh. (laughs) But he does suggest designating a time to check it and then call yourself out on it when you're going on your phone just to be bored. Billy, or because you're bored. Billy and I have started doing this with each other because we're trying to be on our phones less. And so we'll call each other out. And he talks about being intentional with your phone use and then in your bedroom, like putting it out of reach. So you have to get like out of your bed in order to get it.
0: Yeah. Day 29 is to stop working until you are burnout. Um, so he goes into a lot about what burnout is and it's, he says it's the result of accumulated stress. And then he says, um, many people burn out because they have little control over their workflow. People do it because of their, um, they have they feel drained due to the workload that they have. They don't have uh insufficient sleep, unhealthy diet, like over responsive needs and others. And so they're always kind of responding to other people's needs. I felt like this chapter was basically basically taking all the chapters and combining them into one. What do you think, Michelle?
1: Yeah, because all of the action steps were things that he already mentioned. Yep. Like have end times, take the weekends off, schedule breaks like appointments, yeah. limit your phone use. Um, I would like to really quickly though, read through these like questions that he used as like signs of burnout, because I do think this is something that a lot of teachers, you know, ask about. So the questions were, do you feel unmotivated to take action of any kind? Is the quality of your work slipping? Are you indifferent to your poor quality output? So meaning like, oh, I don't even care about it. Right. Do you find yourself becoming irritable with others? Are you having difficulty sleeping? Is your outlook overly cynical? Do you often feel tired even after a good night's rest? Have you lost your appetite? Do you no longer find joy in spending time with your family? So I do want to point out a couple of podcast episodes we have related to teacher burnout. First of all, episode 93, Bridget and I share, 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 there's my little country moment. We share our journeys with burnout. So if you want to check out that one, you can. But if you're looking for actual tips and strategies, episode 94, the teacher burnout sliding scale is a great one. Also episode 95, the truth about teacher burnout. And then episode 96, 10 ways to avoid teacher burnout.
0: I really enjoyed all of those collectively.
1: Yeah. They're, they're a great set of episodes.
0: Yeah. Um, So finally,
1: day 30, stop allowing stress into your life. Again, I Easier just feel like this is done. <laughs> yes. um, But he mentions how stress is highly subjective, which I do think is important. Like what Bridget finds stressful is different than what I find mm-hmm. stressful. He talks about how it's unavoidable, but you have to cope before it builds. And so it's good to identify your triggers and then have those healthy coping mechanisms, but basically it was just a culmination of everything else in the book.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So we hope that you guys enjoyed this. Um, Remember that we will have a link to the book so that you can go and purchase it. Like we said, it's a very easy read. We read it in a day. So it's something that you can then kind of start kind of taking into consideration. I think it opens your eyes a little bit more to certain things, but it is not as easy to implement as um, I feel like the author kind of comes off. And again, we do have the free which is the 30 days to working only contract hours, you can go to bit.ly forward slash 30 that's the number days to contract hours to go and grab that. And link is down in the show notes as well. Um, so guys, we have a live event coming at the end of July, which we are so excited about it. It's gonna be on July 25th. It is a one-day workshop that is focused all on building skills and strategies in time management, organization, and productivity. And we promise you, we are not gonna be broad like Mr. Damon over here. We are gonna, <laughs> these are gonna be actionable. You're gonna be able to apply them immediately and feel so less stressed when you're walking into school on that very first day in the fall. This is being held in York, Pennsylvania at the Terrace of Heritage Hills Resort. Um, We have a link down in the description or the show notes so that you guys can go and check it out. But I believe it's teachingonthedouble.com forward slash live event for more information there. We would also love for you to go and check out the website and submit your time sucking hurdle. We want to know what has been sucking up your time during the summer time. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you can get notified the next time we drop our new new episode. And we would love for you to leave a review over on iTunes. Hopefully you loved this, even though it was a long one. Thank you guys so much for listening to the very end. And until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.